and welcome to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I'm Jerry Scott, Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent. I know you are used to hearing my dulcet tones on this podcast every week, but this week I am handing the reins over to my very, very brilliant colleague, uh, Lucy Leeson, our crime correspondent at the Yorkshire Post, because you've all heard me prattle on for long enough about the elections that we've got on May the 6th. And they're being called Super Thursday because that means not only are we electing councillors and mayors, um, there are elections in Scotland and Wales, but of course we're also electing police and crime commissioners. So we're focusing this week on one of the hottest races in Yorkshire for this, and this is North Yorkshire. Lucy, what can you tell us about what we're chatting about today? Um, so today we're meeting the four candidates to become the next uh, North Yorkshire Police, Fire and Crime Commissioner. Um, it's probably the most hotly fought contest. Um, Julia Mulligan, who has had the role since the PCCs were first introduced in 2012, is no longer standing. So basically it paved the way for somebody new to take over the reins. That's really interesting then. So basically this is this is a brand new race, isn't it? It is, yeah. So there's um, four candidates, um, all very different um, in their approach to the um, what they think the um, PCC should be. So um, all interesting characters as well. So I think it's going to be really interesting um, on May the 6th to find out who, who wins the race, really. And tell us, what actually is the PCC? Because it's still quite a relatively new role. It's an elected role. They've got party allegiances. What is the job? Yeah, so the PCC, they took over from the um, police authorities in 2012. So basically, they are responsible for the totality of policing. Um, the main aim is to cut crime um, and deliver an effective police service within their force area. They have been elected by the public to hold chief constables and the force to account. So effectively making the police answerable to the communities that they serve. Uh, now, the elections take place every four years, but they were postponed last year due to the coronavirus pandemic. So we have got a bit of a delay, but um, we're going ahead. <laughs> and who have we got on the line up today? Who are we chatting to? So we've got four candidates. For the Conservative candidates, we have Philip Elliott. For the Liberal Democrats, we have James Barker. For the Labour candidate, we have Alison Hume. And for Independents, we have Keith Tardoff. Mm, interesting. Okay, well, I'm really interested to hear what they have to say. So let's jump in. Okay, so we've got basically four questions um, today. So I'll um, ask the question and then I'll say who I'd like to answer it first, if that's okay. So first question is, what will be your priorities if elected as North Yorkshire's Police, Fire and Crime Commissioner? And that goes to Philip first. Okay, so I think, Lucy, that I've put together a six-point programme. Um, one is how we deploy the extra police officers that the government's contributing to North Yorkshire Police. So we're looking at an uplift of roughly 200 officers. Um, secondly, dealing with antisocial behaviour uh, and also tackling uh, a little bit better our burglary rate, which could, could improve. Thirdly, county lines drug dealers, and that, in fact, is the most important um, piece of work that needs doing. Unfortunately, we have uh, in order of about four county lines drug dealing gangs. That's not going away. Um, third, uh, fourthly, uh, rural crime and beefing up with some of those extra police officers, the rural task force. 
Um, and then running on from there, I've also identified um, the, the, the dog theft, which the public are concerned about. I actually want to make sure that North Yorkshire Police actually record dog theft. That doesn't happen at the moment. And then lastly, but certainly not least, uh, violence uh, against women and young girls, how we can actually make the streets safer. And I've got a number of initiatives there, not least getting all the CCTV cameras to work together and the deploy deployment of plainclothes officers on an evening, as well as uniformed officers. In effect, increased police visibility across North Yorkshire and York. Brilliant, thank you. And the same question to James. So I have three key uh, priorities. So one, I'd like more visible policing. We hear time and time again that people aren't seeing police on the streets. I want to address that. Uh, two, I want to work in a more joined up manner. So let's try and prevent crime before it starts. So let's work with social workers, mental health, charity, GPs, the police, the fire, all those sort of statutory bodies to come together and get best value for money. Um, and thirdly, well, I have a couple here, sort of jointly third, but one of my big, big ones, and one I've received a number of, sort of complaints over, and that's the 101 non-emergency phone line. I've used it myself on several occasions. I'm aware people find it awfully frustrating. And therefore, my big concern is people won't use it because it's not really quite fit for purpose. So visible policing uh, the, the, and the 101. Um, but there are a whole host, like Philip said. You know, the domestic abuse bill is just going through. There are some very, very valid points there uh, and challenges we need to address. But we need to balance that against the resources we have. Um, and that'll take a lot of work. Okay, thank you. And the same question to Alison. Yeah, my first priority will be to reassure the public that whether they voted for me or not, I'm there to represent them and their families as their People's Commissioner. Um, for the last nine years, we've had a commissioner who hasn't really been present in the communities of North Yorkshire. We've seen how effective someone speaking up for their community at a national level can be with Andy Burnham, for example, over in Manchester. And the commissioner is there first and foremost as the voice of the people and to deliver the best service. So you really need to be out there. And I know I would be. Obviously, my priority will be at a national level to fight for a better share of the funding pie for the police and fire front line, because at the moment both are really disadvantaged. So I'd be a strong voice there because we need more money to tackle the rising crime that's happened under nine years of the Tories being in charge here. Charge here. We need more money to tackle the rising crime that happened under nine years of the Tories being in charge and to restore trust in the police service. There is an uplift in police numbers, but it's only replacing the ones that were cut and the streets aren't safer. There's been a 103% increase in serious crime. And if you're a woman, sadly, you're not safer. The domestic abuse bill is finally going to become law and I really hope that it will make women and girls safer because every three days a woman is brutally murdered by a partner, ex-partner or family member. So I would look to bring in a single and comprehensive strategy to end violence against women and girls in a similar way to how Dame Vera Baird did in Northumbria when she was PCC there before she became Victims Commissioner. Violence against women and girls is a silent epidemic and tackling it would be a priority if I was elected. 
Brilliant. And the same, lastly to Keith, the same question. Yes, I've set out my priorities in my manifesto, my leaflets, which I've distributed throughout North Yorkshire. I've also got a very active presence on social, the various social media accounts. I'll highlight just really most probably three to four of my priorities. The first and fundamental one is that every crime and every complaint is going to matter because at the moment the people that I'm speaking to as I'm going out canvassing feel that they are not being listened to, the crimes aren't being investigated, the complaints aren't being listened to. So that is something that's vital, it's fundamental. Every crime and every complaint will matter. Under that, I would say that rural crime then is uh, a crime that prior to lockdown in 2020 was increasing in North Yorkshire. This quite often is on our borders where there's cross-border criminals coming in, considering it easy pickings in North Yorkshire because the Rural Task Force is centrally based in North Yorkshire, not really in the actual rural areas. It's under-resourced, so we need more officers engaged in our rural task force. Working evening, the use of technology, certainly cameras, drones, etc., number plate recognition to target these. And that really falls into also the next one, which is drugs, which of course are also cross-border problems quite often with the drugs county lines. And that again, a lot of that same technology, the number plate recognition, the technology of cameras, and making it so that we actually can cover our borders because we cover such a wide area for nearly into West Yorkshire and Keithley and to the coast and up to the top of the dales. So we really need to start doing that. And of course, domestic abuse, we really don't know the extent of that because we're coming from a period of lockdown where what has been going on behind closed doors, where there's been such tension and anxiety in households. So we're going to uncover something, I think, which is going to be huge as a problem to deal with. And with a police background, I was involved in those kind of cases, so I've got an understanding of them, and clearly that is the expertise I'll bring to it. And working with the Chief Constable, I think that we can bring great success mm. to North Yorkshire. Okay, great. So the second question is, what, if anything, would you have changed about the way North Yorkshire Police and the NYP FCC's office has operated since 2012? And so, firstly, can we ask um, James, please? Thank you. Well, one thing the Lib Dems actually want to do is disestablish the post and actually give that money back to the frontline police of fire services. But, you know, I'm also a realist. Um, we don't have that mandate yet. So what I do, greater visibility, greater accountability, and justify, justify the role to, to the people so they have confidence in it. Low turnout at these elections is because people like don't actually understand what the office does or even know there's an office. So getting out there and telling people about the role of the PFCC and what they actually do. So in a nutshell, uh, visibility, communication. Right, are the big things I change. Thank you. And the same question to Alison. Um, well, obviously, there's little point in talking about things you can't change. It has to be all about the future and how to make the people of North Yorkshire safer and feel safer, particularly if you're a woman or a girl. But I guess I wish the police had been better at charging perpetrators of domestic abuse. They are languishing at the bottom of a league table of shame. North Yorkshire has the lowest charge rate for domestic abuse related crimes in the country, just 4% 
meaning that just one in 25 domestic related crimes reported to the police leads to a suspect being charged. And out of 1,500 rape cases reported to police last year between just January and July, 1,300 were not taken forward and only 250 were prosecuted. And obviously, we all know how low the actual conviction rate for rape will have been, but we can't lay that at the police's door. But the truth is for all victims, not just victims of gender-based violence, there has been a collapse in trust in the police, something I'm hearing again and again all over the county is that people have stopped reporting crimes to the police because they've lost faith in the ability of the police service to respond effectively. Um, as far as the Commissioner's Office is concerned, it's got too big. 24, 26, 27 staff, it's hard to tell exactly. But certainly red tape costs have shot up over the past year. And I would reduce those by slimming down the office if elected. And the reputation of the current Commissioner was damaged a few years ago by bullying allegations. And she was allowed to limp on until she was deselected by her own party. But... I think the important thing is the future that counts. And that means if elected, I would be a visible people's commissioner. Thank you. And to Keith. Yes, thank you. Uh, first of all, I've got to say that when this role was set up in 2012, it was new to everybody. So to be fair to uh, the police fire crime commission, which was Julia Mulligan, at that stage, clearly there was lessons, a lot of things to learn. So I fully appreciate the difficulties. The problem is that at re-electing in 2016, uh, Julia Mulligan was re-elected even with the backdrop of not particularly delivering. And that has continued. And I believe that, you know, this is nine years, really, which have been wasted because speaking to most people, again, out canvassing, they don't know what the role of Police Fire Crime Commissioner is. And I think it's relevant to say that in 2012, when it was established, it was meant to be somebody from the community representing the people, acting as a bridge between them and the chief constable to, to improve policing and engage in policing with the chief constable. That's why it's vital this role shouldn't be a political party uh, nominee, it should be an independent person, i.e. it should be me, because I bring with me, I'm representing the public, I'm not going to have to tow a party line, and whatever the politicians say about we've got independence, the nominee, they can't be independent because they will follow the party line. And most people don't understand what the PFCC is role. So what would I bring to it? I would bring to it some actual vision, some leadership. I aren't going to make the staff feel unstable in the office who are working there at the moment by saying I'm going to go in and do this that and the other because you need to go in as a business and as an ex-police officer as an ex-fraud investigator for a bank I know that it's important to find out about things before you make decisions and I don't want to unsettle staff by saying I'm going to go in and do a particular thing you need to go in there but clearly I will come in and I'm looking forward to working with Chief Constable and I think it's important to say that at this at this election in a week's time a third of Chief Constables around the country are actually going to retire because they believe and it's been cited publicly that they believe they've been undermined in the role as Chief Constable where they should be left to operational duties by 
PCCs, police crime commissioners, who are from political parties. That's why they leave it. And we're losing experienced chief constables. And we're going to have to, those forces, recruit. We're very fortunate in North Yorkshire. We've got a, a fantastic chief constable in Lisa Winwood, And she has come through the ranks. She's done a great job. And I'm looking forward to getting elected and working with her and letting her get on with the job and deliver with the backing of me. Thank you. And to Phil? Well, I think there's a number of things. First of all, in terms of, you spoke about the office. So I think there's more can be done to actually publicise what the, uh, the Office of the Police, Fire and Crime Commissioner does. And I think there's a, a big piece of work to do around that. In terms of costs, uh, which Alison picked up on, in fact, the costs are not much more than what was the old police authority. But you've got far more transparency in terms of how money is spent, and more importantly, how the police operate. And you do need an office um, to actually account for money and the infrastructure of the police. So, for example, the police and fire service have a budget in excess of £200 million. It's not something you can run by a committee any longer. It's very, very big spending money, and it has to be regulated. It has to be scrutinised. And I bring to the role uh, as a, a, a serving on a, a PLC board, uh, running my own successful company, uh, which I shall step back from if elected, a high level of uh, scrutiny. And that's what's needed. And it has to be somebody who is not, in my opinion, a former police officer. We can't hide, you know, the, there is a perception by the public out there that people cover up and we cannot have that. So that has to change. And I believe with my law degree as well, uh, I can hold, I understand the criminal justice system and I can set high standards and hold um, both the chief constable uh, and also the chief fire officer to account in delivering a collective programme uh, that both of them have actually signed off on. Sorry, I am going to have to interrupt there. It's Keith Toro. Uh, in view of what Phil said, it's rather, I think, uh, unfortunate wording possibly, and I'll give Phil the opportunity to say so, but uh, describing it shouldn't be an ex-police officer because they cover up. I have never covered up anything, and I'm not just bringing police experience this. So I think it's very important, Phil, that, and, and you have actually referred to in your own literature that you've got a basic background in policing when you were in the Territorial Army. So should that be ruled out because you've got basic policing training? Well, thank you very much, Keith. So I said I, I, I have the understanding of the very basics of policing, and that's what I did. Um, but that was with the army; it wasn't with the police service. But Phil, um, and, and I'm not suggesting Keith, you would cover up. I'm just saying for public scrutiny uh, and help, it's actually better uh, that somebody who does this role is not an ex-police officer. But I'm also my view, Bill, just as your Bill, view, is, Bill, that Bill, you don't think somebody of a party should do it. Okay, I've also run a worldwide business, Phil, a brand, and I've also been a bank fraud investigator. Can we just stop? I think we should stop that now and just. Go on to the next one about the fire and rescue, because obviously that is an important part of the role as well, and we don't want that bit to be overlooked. So if we can just move on to the next one about, obviously part of your role will be setting the fire and rescue objectives for North Yorkshire through the fire and rescue plan. But if you were to be elected, what would be the main features of your plan? And can we go to Alison for that, please? 
I w- I'd campaign to increase national funding for our seriously underfunded fire service. It's suffered a 17.3% cut over the last five years alone. And it's putting the public and the firefighters at risk. It, our service is running at a deficit and it doesn't have enough full-time firefighters. It doesn't have the resilience to guarantee that it can cope with day-to-day risk, let alone hope to match the threat posed by climate change and our service needs national investments so before we can talk about the fire plan I would say I have to fight hard on behalf of the firefighters and the support staff to secure substantial and sustained national funding we cannot move forward without money Um, I would also order a day one review into the recent merger of police and fire back office staff, which has gone ahead under the Enable North Yorkshire collaboration. That saw the creation of another high salaried salaried position while the front line suffered further cuts. I I really wanna know whether creating this joint venture has taken money from the front line. Um, I think I would also want to look at the retained part-time system of staffing our fire service it's not working and we need a modern service but it is lack of money that is really holding our fire and rescue service back i would though like to work to embed the rescue services in the heart of the community to to recognize the increasing part they play in prevention so if i was elected i would donate 10 percent of my salary to a new community fund called the rainbow community fund that's named after the rainbow drawings on the window of my local fire station and that would enable local people groups and organizations to access grants to make their communities safer with the support from the fire service Okay, and the next one, um, same question to Keith. Yes, thank you. Clearly, Alison's identified that the fire service are the second worst funded in the whole country. So one of my first objectives would be to actually prepare a case, as I did uh, for the Bank of Scotland as a fraud investigator, to put to council and government to show that there is a case on grounds of safety alone that the budget should be increased to cover these vast areas where clearly there's a risk to life and property because of the time it takes for a pump to actually get to a fire. I think also I would look to certainly increase on diversity. I was delighted to see yesterday on the main news that the first hijabi-wearing female, who was a married lady, has become a full-time firefighter in Nottingham. Well, I want to see that in North Yorkshire, and I will make it happen. So also the thing to do with, uh, you know, that's an example that is fires don't distinguish who's actually wearing that kit when they go into a burning building. So very important that we we start to look at diversity and the retaining and recruitment of on-call firefighters who are in communities on call, give up so much for the families because the families are also tied when they're on call because they can't suddenly go out for a trip out with the children or anything like that. They've got to be within five minutes of the station when that shout comes through. So on-call firefighters are the biggest part of North Yorkshire firefighters. 
equipment it's not fit for purpose a lot of it it's very old so we need to do something immediately about that because we shouldn't be putting firefighters at risk in situations they're wearing the same kit for fighting a fire as they would for a water rescue so in the center of york they're still in the same fire kit that's what they're they should have separate kit they should have proper decontamination units when they get back to the station because of the risks to the health because of all the carbon etc that they've got on the clothing they even quite often have to buy their own personal torches because the torches that are supplied, they aren't up to spec. Now, this isn't good enough. So clearly, I need to get on with that. I'm aware of the fire service because I've got very close family members who are in uh, West Yorkshire Fire Service. So I've got an understanding of the procedures and protocols and fire service will be turned around and they will be better equipped under my tenure within a very short space of time. Okay, and the same question to um, Phil. So in terms of the fire service, I think there's a, a number of things. First of all, it's fair to say the fire service is running at a budget deficit. It was a million pounds deficit. That deficit is now below half a million pounds. And that's due to uh, the enable scheme, in my opinion, with the pooling of backroom resources. Having said all of that, I agree actually with everyone in terms of the underfunding of the fire service. And in the way we address that is twofold. First of all, yes, we present a, a case to government ministers in terms of the funding and how unfair uh, that funding is and how it does discriminate against North Yorkshire. But secondly, we also go out to consulta consultation in terms of increasing the precept. And that would be a very small precept increase, but it would make a, a fantastic difference. So we have to run the service slightly differently, I think. We do have to run it sensibly, but we have to get the funding behind it. And clearly there is a funding deficit. And I, you know, that, that's just where we are. In terms of on-call firefighters, it's true some places, and, and Summerbridge is an example of that, has struggled in terms of recruitment. And so what I'm looking at is extending the multi-service officers this is a scheme that ran in Craven as a pilot successfully. And it's somebody who works in the community who is a PC, a PCSO, PCSO uh, a first responder, and also a fire, an on-call firefighter. And that's a full-time role. So we're actually creating new jobs. It's a different way of working and it's bringing together the two services and giving remote communities more than they have at the moment. And that means they can support uh, when the call goes up uh, for an on-call firefighter, they can actually turn out and be prompt. So that, that's my thoughts. But the first job, the first job to start with will be to, to recruit a new chief fire officer. The current one is leaving and we need to fulfil that role quickly. Thank you. And lastly to James. You know, I'm, I'm really quite impressed. I think this must be one of the few occasions where we all agree or similarly sort of priorities for the fire service. You know, I understand Keith's point. Um, having spent 25 years in the military, there'll be many occasions where I've gone out to buy my own kit too, so I have an understanding. We also need to get, get the grips with the funding. Yes, there is a deficit. Um, and again, that needs to be addressed. And as I think as Keith said, forgive me if I've got it wrong, not every um, shout call out that the fire service go to is a compartmental fire. Um, so they need the kit and equipment for a whole host of, of eventualities, scenarios, uh, and incidents they're called for. 
And yes, we, we need to rec recruit a chief fire officer um, in the first and foremost. So I think taking all those those bits and pieces in, in line, kit and equipment, yes, I'd like to see smaller, faster, more responsive vehicles for rural communities. Yes, I'd like to get the deficit down. Yes, I want to recruit well and and retain. If you retain staff well, you don't need to spend money on recruiting. So let's look at what we can do to retain the competent, trained personnel we currently have got. That's great. So there's just one more question now, and I know we're all a bit uh, short on time. So if we can make this one a bit short and snappy, basically. Sure. Um, so the last question is, what makes you a better choice for this role for the people of North Yorkshire than the other candidates? So first, can I go to Keith, please? Yes, thank you. Um, clearly, there's only one choice for the actual uh, candidate, and that should be somebody who is independent. I'm sorry, uh, people want somebody who is not party political. At the moment, there's great scepticism of all polit politics and politicians. My background, yes, 20 years as a police officer, varied career, commendations, uh, promoted, firearms team leader, leaving with a, an exemplary service record. Also working for the Bank of Scotland, a fraud investigator for 10 years on on budgets involving millions of pounds. But I'm also a successful businessman having created a worldwide brand. But I've sold my business already to show that I've got no conflicts if I'm elected from day one. So I've no business commitments at all. I've got a deep understanding of the community because I've been not just a businessman in the community, I've been a community champion, chairing the Chamber of Trade, chairing the Bloom Group. Clearly, uh, also Yorkshire Air Ambulance fundraiser of the year two years ago a patron of Dementia Forward. So I'm a rounded background. I've also said, and I'm glad that Alison has followed the lead with talking about a contribution from the salary. I have pledged £20,000 of the salary every year will go to registered charities in North Yorkshire, including Yorkshire Air Ambulance and Dementia Forward, and that I will not claim any expenses at all throughout the term, whatever that term may be, two years or four years. And... I was recognised for community work by an MBE in 2018 for services to businesses and the community. I've got the energy, I've got the drive, I've got the passion, the background, the skills to work with the people and deliver for those who live, work or are visiting North Yorkshire. There's only one candidate, Keith Tordoff. Thank you, Keith. And the same question to Phil. OK, fine. So I bring a number of skill sets to the role. Um, the first is to work at high level uh, board level uh, in terms of scrutiny, financial scrutiny and understanding financial figures and understanding their implications. I'm also used to working with senior managerial teams in terms of working on objectives in a collaborative way uh, and on deliverables and then setting in place KPIs to actually make sure we can deliver. I have uh, by background a, a law degree um, which is useful in terms of understanding the criminal justice system both how it works and how to get the best from it. And allied to that, uh, I'm also a qualified data protection GDPR practitioner, uh, which means when it comes to security and, and data protection, and data fraud, I understand what's going on and how to deal with that. Um, but I think the most important thing I bring is nine years experience as a senior district councillor. I've worked with officers who may well be accountable but it doesn't mean they always do what you want. Uh, and in many respects, the role, this, this role is like chairing a PLC, 
um, with the, the, the senior uh, figures from the police and the fire service reporting, but you can't always tell them what to do. You can set the parameters, you can set the police and the fire plan, you can, you can hold people to account, but it has to be sensible and it has to be a partnership approach. So I have that experience of working in partnership and I believe I can bring a lot of experience to the role and move things on. And the last thing is there's a lack of publicity. We've all, I think, agreed on that in terms of what the PFCC does. Uh, by background, uh, uh, I'm also a member of the Chartered Institute of Public Relations, and I will work with the police service in particular, and also the, the, the office of the PFCC to actually publicize properly what the role does. And I, I, I will do that as my, my, my contribution. Thank you, and same question to Jane. Thank you. I, I, I note you're, um, you're uh, asking for brevity, so and I see the clock ticking down. So the reason to vote Barker, um, I served my country, three tours to Iraq, one to Afghanistan, uh, finishing up as battalion second in command of 525 guys uh, and girls. I'm a fellow of the Charter Management Institute. I'm also a member of the Charter Institute of Public Relations, like Philip. So I'm quite happy to communicate what are we going to do? I'm a councillor, I'm a military reservist, and I'm a father. Voting for me is a vote for someone with a history of public service, strong moral courage and integrity, and I'm quite prepared to do the right thing and not the easy thing. Thank you. That's great. And last but not least, to Alison. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think after hearing from the other three candidates, I would like to say that there's an obvious reason to vote for me. Uh, and that's because I'm the only woman. And I do believe that we need more women in senior roles to better reflect our society. Um, I was privileged to attend the Labour Party's gold standard Joe Cox Women in Leadership Programme, which uh, also produced people like Angela Rayner and uh, Tracy Braben. And that's a, tr a training programme for passionate and experienced women who are ready to lead um, and in public service. And I really do want to see more diversity um, uh, in these roles. I'm a campaigner and I'm a communicator. I want to be a voice for the people and to stand up for them. And I have got a track record, 20 years campaigning. My son has a complex disability and I'm very used to fighting to be heard. And I know what it's like to be overlooked. I know what it's like to be ignored. And so I would be a voice for people who are overlooked. Um, I am a professional uh, broadcaster in the creative industries and a screenwriter. I'm also a trustee of a major charity, Choice Support, and that supports people with learning disabilities, autism and mental health needs. I have the skills um, to scrutinise and look at facts and get to the truth. Um, you know, and I've honed my skills as, as a campaigner. I would be giving up my employment, obviously, to focus full time on the role if elected. But I think um, it's important to say that the police and fire services are operationally independent. You can't say that you will make things happen as a commissioner. You can just work and support uh, to get to um, everybody on the same page. Um, it's dangerous to make promises. And, you know, as far as the Tory candidates concerned with, with his ideas, um, if they were so good, why haven't they been put in action over the last nine years? So, Yes, I, I would like just to say finally that um, 
after spending 20 years fighting to improve opportunities and services for disadvantaged people, I am qualified to be a voice of the people. That's great. I'd just like to thank you all for your time today and wish you all the best of luck in the upcoming election. Thank you so much for listening to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. And now if you've made it this far, I've actually got some news for you. Next week will be the last episode of Pod's Own Country. Not ever, but only with me. I'm leaving the Yorkshire Post for passages new, but you will be in the capable hands of my colleague, Rob Parsons, and of course, whoever fills my shoes and takes over the job. Now look, I've got to say that it's been an absolute privilege to host this podcast since we launched it just before the election in 2019. We've come a long way since then. We are now regulating the top 20 of the Apple charts in the government category. And that is all because of you guys who listen, who leave us a review, who subscribe and who tell your friends. And I would always love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jerry underscore E underscore L underscore Scott. And for the very last time, I will be back next week. I'll speak to you then.